And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's Expository Thursday. As we work together to know the letter better into the narrative of the book of Acts, we travel to understand the things the Lord requires of us as we learn to apply God's timeless truths in our lives. Now listen up. This is important stuff. First, Stephen opens up his sharing with the miraculous. God appeared. Few things get people's attention like the manifestations of God. It's how the nation of Israel was birthed. It's how the church was birthed. And to some degree, it's how you got saved. It starts with some form of an appearance of God. It doesn't have to be told with brilliance and special effects. It just needs to be said, and God will handle the impact. Next, how come when God appears and manifests himself, there is often a command to the people to separate themselves from those around them? This is true for Abraham, but it's also true for the disciples. The main reason is that when God chooses people, he separates them unto himself. This is what holiness really means, and grasping that, we, being separated to him, become his property— Yes, I said property, means no one else comes before him. And finally, God gave Abe no inheritance here. Just think about the promise and this premise. God gave Abe no lasting territory here on earth. For Abe, there wasn't any. It wasn't for him. It was for his descendants. But Abraham himself, he got nada out of that. That's because Abraham had a better inheritance and one more suited to who he was. God himself was Abraham's inheritance. God's land, God's city, and God's country are where and what Abraham wanted. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations. Spiritual observations. My life's insanities and oive. So much more. Hey, hey, hey. 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 (laughs) We're asking you, what do you think? Now, you can email us, david at org. That's david at org. You can text us, 214-210-8483, 214-210-8483. Or you can call us at 972-445-0770. When you call 972-445-0770, it's like somebody knocked on your door, and then they gave you a free ball of cotton candy just because you're special. And when you make that call, you'll be talking to Cat and Chris, and then you'll be... That's right. For those of you that are wondering, what is wrong with Dave? Nothing. (laughs) 
Thursday. I mean, what do you mean? What is wrong with me? There's really nothing wrong with me. Uh, you can also, uh, by the way, if you have a praise report or a prayer request, you can reach out to us during the show and do it that way. We encourage that. We think it's uh, fantastic when people share. Uh, prayer requests join our faith together, which is something that's important in the principles of the kingdom of God. There's 12 tribes and there's one Israel, right? There's different denominations, but there's one body. There's one head, right? And so we join together. We cross denominational boundaries in order to make sure that we are all functioning as a body together to the honor and the glory of our Heavenly Father. That's how we function, right? We have the same dad. We're blood relatives through Jesus Christ, and we drink of the same fountain, the Holy Spirit. So let's all just kind of get in that sink. The unity of the faith is something to be kept, not found. So we need to keep that unity of the faith. Bottom line to this process is you get an opportunity to share. You can It can be a thought. It can be a question. It can be a, a comment. It can be any of that. The idea is it's not professional radio. It's just radio, so you can pretty much open it up. But behind it all is the idea to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, and to bless one another. So I'm going to open up with a rather easy trivia question right now. Did, did I make that clear? Rather easy. And I'll give you a chance as I prepare to make the biggest announcement in my radio career. Ooh, wow. Here is the trivia question. And, yes, it's easy, and you better get it because if you don't get it, I'm going to be mad. Which two people from the Old Testament were seen at Jesus' transfiguration? Okay. If you think you know the answer— you can call in 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. You can send an email, david at he must org. Keep in mind what those two people represent. That is also a very important point of these things because what they represent is uh, – is subservient to Jesus. Just kind of the nicest way to put that, right? I can't say it any other way. Now, while people are contemplating that, and before we go into anything else, I got news that will probably blow you away and will not give you the opportunity or me the opportunity to teach quite yet on the text. Here we go. On March 15th, Two th- oh, somebody's calling in, so we do want to give them that shot. Okay, we're gonna we'll go long on this. Don't worry, we're not going anywhere. So we'll give them the chance to oper- a- a- answer the trivia question. Then I will give you an announcement. You will be like, "What? What?" Okay, so somebody ready to answer trivia? All right, let's do that first. Okay, ready? This is David. Who am I talking to? Hi, David. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt oh, you. Oh, <laughs> don't worry about it. I'd rather have the interruption. I'd rather have you do that. I can talk and yam, yam all the time. That's not a problem. All right. You ready for this? Okay. Yes. Which two Old Testament figures were on the Mount of Transfiguration? I think it was Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. That is correct, Amundo. They represent the law and the prophets. In that, by the way, is the Psalms, because people understood the prophets to be part of the Psalms. And so the law and the prophets were all a part of that. And then there's Jesus. And what did the Father say to the to while Jesus was there and the three of them? This is my son. Listen to him. 
which is a way of establishing Jesus' authority from the new co- old covenant to the new covenant. Even though it's done in blood, it's made by declaration first. Isn't that cool? Yes. That's so very. cool. I love it. I love it. It just makes you think like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> excellent job. Excellent, excellent. Okay. All right. Thanks, David. Thanks for taking my call, and y'all have a good day. All right. God bless you. All right. God bless. Here we go. Here it is. Biggest announcement. We'll have to run long. I could just tell you right now. All right. So many of you know that roughly about 43 years ago, I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. As we're going to talk about that next week. Tomorrow technically would be our three-year anniversary, so we're going to kind of do it all week long. I'm going to give you a little bits and pieces. I'll tell you what happened with the radio show, how we even got a radio show. That's just the Remember, I didn't even start doing radio until I was 50. So you got to think, what? Yeah, no, really. So that's the, you're going to be like, really? Yeah. I still haven't grown up, so that's really not the issue. So when I was first a Christian, I only had a few things that I brought before the Lord that were exceedingly important because, first of all, I was dumb, and I also was you know, young and didn't really understand things. But I always thought it was cool to have a big gat. I always thought those are the weirdest things. Did this person beget this, beget this, beget this, beget this? When my children were young, they made decisions to follow Jesus Christ. And I had the fortune, the grace, let's say the grace, to lead Julianne in a prayer. Get this. When she was five years old. Now, hold on. I think that's too young. I even told her I think that's young. She is now 33 and has been in the faith for 20 Eight years and is better in the faith than most people that I've ever met, myself included. Some of my children have acknowledged and continued on. Some have wrestled. We'll talk about that from time to time. And some are doing fine, but maybe not as far along as dad would like. Okay, that's fine. March 15th, a young little girl named Adeline Joy Schiller came up to her mom and dad unprompted and asked if they would help her so she could become a Christian by asking Jesus Christ to live in her heart. And her dad led her in a prayer, and she made an independent decision. This is exactly what happened to Julianne. She made an independent decision, right? And I'm like, are you sure you're young? You know, I'm trying to talk her out of it. And then, you know, that's brilliant. So uh, anyway, Addie Bug, now why that's important? A lot of you are like, well, okay, but that's really cool. But what does that mean? You don't understand why that's so important to somebody like myself. My brother and I were the first two Christians in our Jewish family, our Ukrainian and Russian and Polish blood family that came over, right? We are 100, 100% Jewish, okay? All you had to do is hang out with my mom for five minutes, you'd understand, and my grandma for one minute, and then you'd be crying. But the idea behind this is we're just so our kids, right? My, my kids, they're not 100%, right? 50%, 50%, uh, Addie Bug, 25%. But she is the third generation spoon to be a Christian from our Jewish roots. Remember, Billy and I were the first. Billy was the first in ever, and that we have any records on for five thousand years, or whatever that length of time, whatever it is. 
And now we have a third-generation Jewish Christian. And, and I'll tell you one thing about, about Addie Bug. It's her birthday, so she got her all these little cute little presents and stuff. But I'll tell you one thing about Addie Bug. She is like my grandma. <laughs> I'm going to say, my daughter's like my mom, my grandkids like my grandma. It's like, what is going on around here? I have nothing to do with any of this. I just think it's hilarious. But anyhow, as a grandpa, my first child has, first grandchild has made a decision to follow Jesus. Three generations. I don't know if that means the end is coming sooner <laughs> or what. But, man, it, it's a great blessing. And uh, so I told my wife, I said, my job is done. I have gotten my begats. So you know what she told me? You have to nurture them and help them as they get older. So sorry, Charlie. <laughs> I was thinking, wait a second. <laughs> I thought I was – I didn't – didn't the other stuff count? Okay. My granddaughter became a Christian on the 15th of March, 2025. 2022. But it's just cool because she did exactly what her mom did. She went, talked to her dad, and said, it's time. I want to be a Christian. Ah! I mean, is that just amazing? And you think, well, she's six, right? Because she's six. How's that going to last? Have you read any of the stuff Julianne's posted on Facebook? I want to be half that Christian. Get out of town. Not only does it stick, but if it's genuine the way it was with Julianne, I feel sorry for everybody else who's going to get in her way. That's why I'm grandpa. I can get away with much more. Okay, we'll take our break and then come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Just as I am, like any person searching for answers, I too have wondered about him. He has a weird sense of humor. If people are seeking wisdom and insight from the great teachers around the world, would they go to David? No, I don't think so. Those big ears really don't help. Will people enjoy his perspective on culture, politics, food, sports, and local and national news? I don't know. He's just a client. Tune in to the David Spoon Experience on KAAM. What is the David Spoon Experience? When Joshua was trying to figure out, you know, the Lord and his decision for the Lord, and he, he was doing pretty good and had good training, uh, uh, he made a decision to, to follow the Lord. Then he made a decision that he wanted to really commit to devotions. I told him I was proud of him for that. That's his own decision. He has to make that call. Nobody can choose that. You know, I was listening to something the other day, and this is one of the most bizarre statements. You're never going to hear a more bizarre statement. I hope this gets on the radio. You know, you can be born and raised Jewish. You can be born and raised Italian. You can be born and raised in many different things, but you can't be born a Christian. Can't do it. Because you have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. There's no being born a Christian. That doesn't work. That's a lie. You have to make a choice, an individual choice. Your 15 generations of your family could be Christians. When you're born, that does not make you a Christian. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's when you become a Christian. You understand that difference? It was just something that dawned on me. Like, you know, people don't talk that way. Well, he was born in a Christian family. That doesn't mean he's a Christian. Plenty of murderers came out of Christian families. That doesn't mean a thing. That's nothing. 
But anyway, going back to it, I had to share that because that thought that just really struck me as odd. But the power of our words is, is, is so noticeable. And Jesus says, hey, you know, I got one for you. By your words, you're going to be justified. And by your words, you're going to be condemned. So my question to pose is why? That's so forceful and brutal. And the answer is in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew, you guys like that one, huh? I like that. I can tell people, oh, I like that. Matthew chapter 15, here's the reason, verse 18, Matthew 15, 18 says this. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And the reason that Jesus said, by your words you will be justified and by your words you'll be condemned is because your words reveal what's in your heart. And you will know, you can listen to other people and know by their speech. And I'm not even talking about coarse language. I'm not talking about swearing. I'm not even talking about any of that. I'm not even necessarily talking about negative speech. I'm talking about you will know a person's heart by what they say. The David Spoon Experience. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, where we're getting ready to do our trivia question. This one is a little more fun. Don't get legalistic. Don't split hairs. Sermon on the Mount. Are there six, eight, or 12 Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount? Look at that. That's a kind of a multi-choice, right? I'm not giving you six, eight, or 12. If you think you know the answer, you can call 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. Or you can send an email to david at hemustincrease.org. See, I know people are listening to me because even Eric put a point. He gave an answer and they gave point. It's like, okay. See, this is how you know what's going on. It's like, okay. Just in general, folks. Just in general. In the general way of things. All right. <laughs> in the general. Okay. Um, okay, is somebody ready to answer the question? I hope it's in a general sense and we're not getting a point out of this. Here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Hey, David, it's Samson. Hey, how you doing, Samson? Hey, very good. And happy St. Patty Day, even though you're Jewish. Yeah, I know. And that's, isn't that funny? It's like, yep, it's the St. Patty's Day. It's just not the normal St. Patty's Day. But yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, my brother. Here is a classic. And a lot of people do get this wrong because they think there's so many. How many, in general, we're not looking for you know splits or anything. How many Beatitudes, in general, are there in the Sermon on the Mount? Is it six, eight, or twelve? Well, in my attitude, it could be eight. That is correct. You are right. It could be eight point five because <laughs> there's one that's on a split, which I understand, so I don't have a problem with that. But between six, eight, and twelve, there's eight. Okay, all right. That's that's an excellent job. Hey, did you hear the news about my granddaughter? I don't know if you heard that or not. No, I have not. She, my little six-year-old granddaughter, 
uh, accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior in her heart on Wednesday. On, on, on Tuesday. On Tuesday. Praise the Lord. Amen. Three generations of Jewish people who believe oh, in wow. Jesus. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? Well, Jesus was a Jewish. That's right. Well, <laughs> here's here's the thing. Everybody who understands you buy, wholesale, and sell retail, technically they're Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> David? Yes, sir. David? Yes. I want to share the uh, testimony, you know, like a... Last month, my uh, brother was uh, struggling with a car because his car wrecked, and they didn't have the vehicle. Uh, thank you for all the prayers that people prayed, and God connected him with somebody, and they blessed him uh, a car last uh, last week. So wow. now he has a car to go to work and school. Praise the Lord. Great, great yeah. testimony. That's and wonderful. It was a totally miracle that they met with somebody, that they knew somebody, that they knew somebody. And they said, yep, in a week, you're going to get a car. Wow. And, yeah, so last week. they. So we, we just praise God, and this is our testimony, like a God listens our prayer, and he is the Jehovah Jarrah who provides. Amen, brother. He is the God that provides. That's an excellent job. Yeah, and I also want to share one joke, if it's okay. All right, I'll let you do the joke. I'm going to delay my joke to further on, so I'll let you do a joke, but it's got to be quick. Go ahead. All right. Well, there was a one uh, worship leader. He likes to write a lyric. Where'd he go? His song and uh, music. Samson, you're breaking up on us. You're break. The joke is you're not getting through. You're breaking up. It's it's cracking in and out. We can't hear it. All right, I'll do some other time. All right, brother. Okay. The God good. Bless. God bless. <laughs> Only us, right? <laughs> okay. All right. So now on the Beatitudes, we were going for the blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, so in case anybody's wondering. So we're not we're not trying to get picky. That's why we said don't get picky. All right, I want to answer a question because I'm not getting to my text, obviously, but this is still an important question. I want to tell you about this Thessalonians text for 1 Thessalonians 4. We taught on this before. I'm going to teach on it just very briefly. We don't have a lot of time, but I want to do this for a sister who had a question about it. Here's what it says, and then we'll get into the book of Acts after this. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, and now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to Christians who have died so that you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. I can tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet him ahead of those who are in the graves. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the call of the archangel, and with the trumpet, which is why you always hear me talk about the trumpet, and, and, and with the trumpet, call, call of God. First, all the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. So comfort and encourage one another with these words. Wait, I'm not done. Chapter 5, verse 1. I really don't need to write to you about how and when all these things will happen, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly 
like a thief in the night. So for all of the people that are trying to figure it out, let me just uh, let me just kind of break this down. It's, I'm going to try and do it three minutes what people have been arguing about for thousands of years. So you know it's only going to be a very mick answer, the best that it can be. There is a form of a rapture. The word rapture is not actually used, but that's what the, the, the rising up to meet the Lord in the air is it's going to take place. That's not a new concept. Elijah came up in a whirlwind. Jesus ascended. That's not new. That's not, not a new thing. And there, then the, we who are alive when the Lord comes, we're going to ascend. There's going to be a rapture of sorts. The argument is when. The irony is the text says, hey, don't worry about it. It's going to happen before in a blink of an eye. You're not even going to know what's going to go on. Then the argument is, oh, no, but we have a whole system, Jesus. And it's like the Lord just said, don't do that. <laughs> it's like he, through, through Paul, he just said, I don't really need to write you, tell you when this will happen, for you know quite well the Lord will come unexpectedly. Okay, that's what you got to remember. That's what the text says. Yes, Dave, but listen to this theory or listen to this idea. Yeah, I got it, but I'm just reading the book. And it says it's going to happen like lights out. Who knows? So the argument then is do people who believe in rapture believe it's going to be pre, mid, or post tribulation? Do they believe it's going to be after the Lord returns, before the Lord returns? At what? Ju- That's the argument. It's not that people don't believe it's going to happen. It's that people have a difference of opinion as to when it's going to happen. That's how you get into amillennialism, premillennialism, and postmillennialism. And before anybody gets too excited, of which we will be teaching about this, the one thing that nobody has ever taught you before that George Ladd did an excellent job in is explained that the world's eschatology, I'm sorry, the church's eschatology has always synced up with how the world is doing prosperous-wise. Now watch this. When the world is doing fantastic, everybody becomes post-millennial. When the world is doing absolutely horrible, everybody's pre-millennial. And when the world's kind of in between, they're amillennial. That should be the saddest testimony you've ever heard. <laughs> you should be like, like, what? I remember when I first read that, I got that's so sad. It's just so sad. Here's what it is. There is a rapture taking place. We're going to get caught up in, with the Lord. When is that going to happen? I, I subscribe to all of them. I want it to be premillennial dispensationalism and that the Lord goes, duh, 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 and we're out and we're done. I want that to happen. Don't be weird about that. Who wouldn't want that to happen? And then there's the other part of me that thinks, well, I know, but if there's that direct tribulation, I think Christians could put up with about half of it before they crack. Right, so then you're in the midpoint point, and then there's this post point where it's like I know, but then all the passages say endure to the end, endure to the end. And it's like right, and then there's this other part of me that thinks, but what if that whole system is wrong? They were wrong the last time about the Messiah coming. What if they're wrong about these systems now? I better play an awareness game and be thinking pre, mid, post, and not at all in that particular system. What's wrong with that? And as a post-millennialist, you want to think, well, occupy till he comes. You see, they all apply. That's the failure of somebody committing so hard to one eschatology that you can't enjoy the others. Why? If God gives you six courses in a meal, why would you eat two? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh, I want the lobster, but I don't want the butter. What? Don't talk to me. Okay. Okay, ready? We'll break now before I lose it anymore. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. 
This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business, but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us, as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at the end of the year indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax-deductible. Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, or in Proverbs where it teaches that a generous person will prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can. Right here on KAAM. What is the David Spoon experience? Let me uh, say something really important. I want to give a big uh, crying send-off to my good friend for seven and a half years, Lefty. Lefty has uh, today... I know, I'm so sad. Lefty has actually left uh, the place of honor that's been with me for the last seven and a half years doing radio. Lefty was my one-eared headset my uh, headset that I would listen to. Yesterday, towards the end of the show, the circuitry in the very complex $19.95 multiple years ago headset decided it could no longer endure, and we had to put it to rest today. So now I have a much more expensive but really on sale from Amazon, so got it for a smoking deal headset. But it has two ears, so one of the ears is behind my head. <laughs> and uh, I haven't given this one a name yet. <laughs> it's got like one ear, but it's a, I don't know. Yeah. But let everybody say goodbye to Lefty. Bye, Lefty. Bye. All right. There you go. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Well, we are so far off of chart, so far off the course for what I'm supposed to be teaching. It's not even funny. <laughs> You're so far away. It's like, wow. I think I'm just going to have to, we're just going to have to wing it. <laughs> That's what we're going to have to do. Uh, here is your next trivia question, and then I will address a few different things. Uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus told people not to worry, okay? So you're talking about the Matthew 6 portion, right? Towards the middle, towards the end. When Jesus told people not to worry, what did he tell people to look at? What was the example he used for people to look at in order to not worry? In order to not 
worry. If you think you know the answer, you can call 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483, as well as you can send an email to David at he must increase.org. So you're able to do that. That's the question I'm asking. Just think about that. You kind of want to go to Matthew 6. If you're not sure, that's fine. When Jesus told people not to worry, so Joanne and Cordelia strike first. Uh, when Jesus told people not to worry, what did he tell people to look at? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Got that? All right. To what, what, to, what did he tell people to look at? So there's two possible answers per se. But I want you to think about it because we're going to kind of get into that, and I'm going to give people a kind of a chance to express it. So somebody's going to answer, uh, and I want to – I'm going to do kind of a follow-up to what we've talked about before because it's just that kind of show. You might as well just enjoy it. Anything can happen. <laughs> Anything can happen. And the Lord could come back now. Okay. Well, I was hoping. Anyway, are we ready? Okay. There we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? How are you, brother? I'm doing fantastic, brother. How are you? Man, I'll tell you what, I'm beyond blessed. There you go. That's a wonderful answer. It's a wonderful, wonderful answer. All right. Thank you. All right, now you ready for this? Because there's actually... I'm 100%. All right, there's a two, a kind of a two-way you can do this, so I'm going to be real free on this one. One, When Jesus told people not to worry, what did he tell people to look at? Okay. Um, I have three answers. Okay, perfect. He said to look at the bird. He said, "Look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field." Correct on both of those. All right, I got it. But I would like to give my third answer. Go ahead. I don't worry because I look at Jesus. That's uh, that's a brilliant answer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The. the- the David, b- while I got you, I, I'd like to give a quick testimony if you don't absolutely, mind. Absolutely, um, absolutely. My little brother, my little brother, he's fixing to turn fifty years old. Um, he had he has used hard drugs for many years, and he is now officially been clean for over two months. Wow! Praise the Lord. And yes, and I'm thrilled with him. He is learning about the real Jesus. He's been involved with some fake Jesus stuff, but he's learning about the real, true, authentic Jesus, and he's given his life over, and he's people are mad at him out there where he lives because he won't quit talking about Jesus, so he is on the right track. <laughs> Amen. we got to have the audience praying for him. Let's pray for him real quick. Can we do that? Okay, yeah, his name is Alan. What's his name? His name is Alan. Alan, let's pray for him. Father, we come before you right now. We lift up Alan to you. Pour your Holy Spirit into his heart and mind. Fill him with truth. Let him proclaim your word and allow him to enjoy the sweetness of the fellowship that comes from you. He is a redeemed child of the Most High God. He's found that born again is both spiritual and practical in many ways of life. Just pour it upon him and let him be a blessing and a testimony to your glory wherever he goes and whatever he does. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Yes, brother. Thank you so much. I'll let him know that you prayed for him. And on top of that, I want to remind you that my best friend, who's a brother from another mother, he is still alcohol-free. It's been about three or four months now. He still hasn't had a drink of alcohol. Amen, brother. You you go, brother. You, you're, you're, you're a warrior in the kingdom. You keep praying and talking to these people. Keep doing these great things for the Lord in the name of the Lord. Absolutely, but it's no longer I who live, but he who lives within me. You got it. Amen. Bless you, brother. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Excellent, excellent work. So let me let me just do a follow-up on this. This is kind of a, a, a cool thing, and it kind of ties in with everything. So give me a second to kind of weave it all together. It takes a second. All right, so first of all, we were talking about Addie Bug in the top of the hour. Now, she's a five-year-old or six-year-old, right? She made a decision to follow Jesus. But some people don't come to the faith until they're much later. Right. And when you're six year old, you think, ah, well, maybe it's not real. Da, 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 da. But then if it translates throughout their lifetime, you know, <laughs> you don't have a lot of question like for somebody like Julianne. And then on the other hand, people like me, although we got saved at the at the earlier 17, 16, 17. And then there's people that get saved later on in life. There is no point in the human existence that a person can't get saved. Now, I understand that, that people want to shoot for the deathbed confession. I think it's a very dangerous play. That's a little bit worse than a roulette wheel because God has to give the repentance. So I'm not sure that's a brilliant idea. But what I would say is some people have gotten saved at the deathbed. Just look at the thief on the cross. He was right there on the deathbed, so to speak. Made a decision for Christ. Bammo, he's in. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line to the process is the Lord brings about the salvation, not us. We are there to be participants of this masterful drama that God has coordinated amongst humanity. And you get to see as the Lord writes the play. But he writes it the way he wants to, not the way we think he should. And that means people getting saved, getting healed, getting delivered at all different times. What's wrong with that? Nothing. It's fantastic because it's real. And that should be kind of our joint support with one another. And you know, you hear me talk probably more than most people. I talk about the, the idea behind unity because it's essential for mature Christians. I I know there'll always be people that are like, me, me, I get it. Okay. And even having a doctor, it's not going to change their theological position because their theological position is I'm going to take my ball and I'm going home. Can't do anything about that. But you can do with the people that are surrounded by us the right thing. Be praying for one another, caring for one another, loving one another, carrying each other's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Just in this last segment, you had me address for, for one of our listeners the, the whole idea on the rapture. Do you know that you could think pre, mid, post, uh, you could think uh, at the end of time, at the beginning, I could care less. That is not the issue of fellowship. How you think something might come about is not the issue of fellowship. Do you love Jesus? Nah, now we're talking. So you, many of you know I have a, a very good relationship with Pastor Ray. Pastor, Ray was one of my few friends. I could just tell you that, like spiritual friends. First of all, he knew more than I did about the Old Testament. <laughs> I told him that too. I also told him I knew more about the New Testament than he did. That's not the point. The point is we, would do, we, would, we had these, like, wonderful— Okay, he had a very specific eschatology. <laughs> if you ever talked to Ray or if you ever read any of Ray's books, 
Corey is a premillennialist to the to I mean to be, even right now he's telling God it's all premillennial, right? It's all premillennial. <laughs> Listen, I asked him live on the show in the beginning of our friendship. Does that have anything to do with fellowship? He started laughing. He goes, "No." He goes, "That's so stupid. Why would anybody not fellowship with somebody else because we don't know when the Lord is coming back? How dumb is that? We're just supposed to operate as though he's coming back tomorrow, which he could be for you individually, or coming back in a hundred years. So let's be working and don't act busy. Be busy in the kingdom. Acting busy isn't going to impress the Lord. The idea behind this is that it doesn't matter if you have this uh, uh, difference of opinion on certain elements of theology, as long as the core theologies are intact. And eschatology, which is the study of last things, is not a core theology. Christology, who Jesus is, how redemption takes place, soteriology, homodiology, those are core elements. They have to do with sin, salvation, and redemption through Jesus. That's different. Not our church stands for the offering. Our church celebrates for the offering. Our church weeps at the offerings. <laughs> Who cares? We get dressed up. We don't get dressed up. We have uh, we have uh, beach day. So what? Who cares? That means nothing. What means something is being active in the kingdom of God, being engaged with God and with his children. Being there as a vessel to reach other people, that's what means something. And I know we, we talk a lot about you know all the stuff that's going on. Of all the people on this planet that should have this holding, sustaining joy and hope, it is us who knows that the Lord is going to redeem us, both now and for eternity, period. Okay. All right. Take our break and then come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. What is the David Spoon Experience? Isaiah chapter 63, verse 8 through 9 says this. He said... Surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed. So uh, I want to make sure you understand. We've talked about this before. You've heard some of my testimony. If you want to really get a better hand on my testimony, uh, I'll shamelessly plug the Broken for His Glory book, which contains the testimony, but you can get it for free if you do it through Kindle. And then otherwise it's like seven bucks or something. That's not very much. Uh, It's kind of a fascinating journey on becoming saved and then going through bad churches or a bad church and then coming back into good church. Right. That's not always easy to do. One of the big premises of the book and of my entire Christian journey is a passage like this, which says, he said, surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me. And so he became their savior. And in all their distress, he, too, was distressed. I think it's important for you and I to understand the level to which God has put himself or placed himself. He's not 
incomplete without us in the in the theological term that God can exist completely independently and doesn't need us, but he bears with us or connects to us in such a way that he feels with us. And so I think it's important for you and I to grasp that when Paul was on the road to Damascus, and then uh, the Lord appears to him, right? And we've talked about this before, you know, knocks him, you know, knocks him uh, off his donkey and blinds him, okay? Now, you just have to imagine you're on a donkey, bammo, you're on the ground, okay? <laughs> okay, Not on a comfy table or a comfy chair or a comfy bed, on the ground, and you're blind. <laughs> so this is a real wake-up call. And then Jesus says to him, Saul, before he becomes Paul, you know, you know, why are you persecuting me? And what does Paul say? Saul say he says, "Who are you?" <laughs> right? Because this is like, you know, this is you know, outer limits stuff right here. And then Jesus goes, "I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting." Ah, but the irony behind that is that Jesus made the identification with the church because Saul was persecuting the church. But Jesus goes, I'm the one you're persecuting. Now see see how he connects himself to the people. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. But we are having just a wild show, right? I mean, it's been a wild, wild show. I mean, I I love stuff like this. So, uh, and that way you just kind of go with the flow, see what happens. Here is our final trivia question. Let's see if we can get this done before the timing. Um, I haven't sent anybody to the website a second time, did I? Did I? No, we got to do that too. All right, so we got four things we got to do, plus a little text. So <laughs> this is going to be great. Uh, fill in the missing words spoken by Jesus to Peter. I will give you the keys of... I will give you the keys of... All right, what's the rest of that? And uh, don't say the Datsun B210 or something like that. I will give you the keys of, okay, if you think you know the answer, you can call in 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. Send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. We will acknowledge Joy Ann and Cordelia striking first. Uh, I think three times today already. So that's pretty good right there. So while you're contemplating that, we will do a couple of things because I am not willing to let anything go because I'm stubborn. See, see the great thing about God, Satan gets created, Satan rebels, and God goes, well, instead of destroying him, I think I'll use him. <laughs> Just like this. How do you not love that? Right? Uh, so let's do each thing at a time. First, I'm going to uh, remind you to go to the website. There's a lot of things to tell you about the website. That's all fantastic. That's the place to give. And right now, that would be really fantastic. Go to he must increase.org. Prayer request? HeMustIncrease.org Praise report? HeMustIncrease.org Looking to give to this ministry? HeMustIncrease.org Confused by what's happening right now? HeMustIncrease.org HeMustIncrease.org <laughs> You know, when they're short now, it's like you're waiting for something else. See what you've done? You've created that. Uh, Eric wants everybody to know that Jesus has the keys to Al's house. He's got the 
<laughs> I give you the keys to Al's house. <laughs> That's a pretty good one right there. All right, somebody's ready to answer the trivia question. So here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Hi, this is Ron Washington. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing oh, well. Okay. This is a great question because we we understand that the, these keys, they mean something. So when Jesus said, I give you the keys, what was he giving the keys of? If I'm not mistaken, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is correct, sir. Or the kingdom of God would also work. Here's the deal on that. We Those keys are... Open the doors, open the locked doors, and Jesus passed off to us the keys for the kingdom to open the doors so that we can bring kingdoms to other people, the kingdom to other people. And the best example of this is exactly what Peter said when he was with John, and he came across that guy who was saying, hey, you got any dough, got any money? And Peter goes, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. That was giving him the kingdom using the keys. Absolutely. There you go. Excellent job, brother. Very, very good, and I appreciate the call. Well, thank you, sir. All right. God bless you. Bless you. Bye-bye. Okay, we're rolling. I got so much to do, I'm going to try and get it all done. Ready? You want me to do the joke or the history first? I'm getting it all done. It's all getting done one way or another, so I don't care. Do the jokes. Okay. It's only a single joke, okay? But it is apropos in the in in lieu of what I said about Eddie Bug uh, making a decision. And then I don't know if you guys heard that or not, but the fill had to do with making a decision. You can't be born a Christian. You have to make a decision. I thought that was good. Here you go. Now, this is cute, but don't, you know, you're not going to be sharing this one. <laughs> you're not going to be sharing this one at the kitchen table. I'm not telling this to Noelle tonight because she won't think it's funny. And by the way, it took her like five minutes to get the joke about the cannon. But we'll just move on. One day, Jesus and the devil were having a discussion. About, remember, it's not theological. Stop that. One day, Jesus and the devil were having a discussion about who was best, so God suggested a typing competition to settle the argument. Do, do you need to know that it's, there's no theology here? Thank you. God set them down on a computer each, and they started to type up an article written on a piece of paper. The first to finish the typing would be a winner. So they both started typing uh, quickly. Suddenly, there was a power cut. And both the computers switched off. Their typing work had disappeared from the screens. When the power was restored, the computers rebooted. Jesus' work reappeared on his screen, but the devil couldn't get his back and lost all his work. So God declared Jesus the winner. The devil complained bitterly, saying, that's not fair. I demand a rematch. God said, stop whining, Satan. Everybody knows Jesus the way that Jesus got his work back because everybody knows Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Come on. That's not bad. If you've ever had your work disappear, do you know why that's funny? Right? Because Jesus saves. I was telling Noel, we were were, at the end of this whole doctorate program, and Birdie jumped on the computer, which is something that we deal with on a regular basis. And I told her, and she was like, I was like, Birdie, stop it. And I said, you know why I get mad? And she said, why? I said, because remember what happened when I took my very first class? I wrote this really long, really long paper. Back then it was really long. It was only like, you know, 13 this and 12 this or whatever. And the whole thing got dumped when the computer went out. And ever since that very first time, I'm like paranoid or something. I don't know. I need help. All right. uh, Let's do history.
That's the hero. Let's go You guys have no idea how much I'm struggling here right now. We'll just uh, move on with that. As I already announced, uh, it's Adeline Joy Schiller's birthday today. So uh, tonight we'll get to see some of the presents that we got her. <laughs> I got to see those presents. I, we got them. We know what they are. Today is Corned Beef and Cabbage Day. It's St. Patrick's Day, uh, just for those that don't know. And for those that don't know, this is a really important. I think it's kind of important. Uh, in 1845, the rubber band was invented. Got to have a rubber band. I mean, yeah, that's... I couldn't do my sounds without it. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't do your sounds. Well, because of the doing, right? There you go. All right. Took me a second. I got there. Uh, and then finally, it's 1969. Golda Meir became the prime minister of Israel, of which she was one of the best prime ministers ever, just in case anybody's wondering about that. All right. Here's how we're going to close out the show. I want to just share with you something that I read today. I think it's really important. I think it's pertinent. So most of us know that, and so, yeah, we're not doing the acts today, obviously. So most of you know that when when Joshua was leading the children of Israel, that they went to Jericho and they had massively excellent uh, um, victory. I mean, they were they, they marched around the city. The walls came tumbling down. Everybody knows the song. But the, the, the reality is that God gave them directions on how to go about it. The next time they would go against Ai, they did not realize that Achan had sinned, right? His sin affected the nation, and they got beat up and so on and so forth. So they, they clean it out. They, they you know, confess their sins. They come before the Lord. And then the Lord says this. Now, why I want to bring this up is because this is Israel after they had failed, after they got called out on the carpet for sin— and after they were trying to get it right, so they repent and they clean it up and they do the best they can. And this is what the Lord says to Joshua in the beginning, after they, they come before the Lord in humility. In uh, and, and Joshua 8.1, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. I want you just to listen to this. This is I spent probably five minutes on this kind of picking through on this portion. The reason that it's important is because once you've done something that maybe is not the best before the Lord, and you come before the Lord and you want to get it right, and you're just like, man, I really blew that. It's as though the Lord is saying, hey, don't be afraid. Okay? Don't don't wallow in the fear. Yeah, you did something wrong. Yep, it had to be corrected. And yes, it, it wasn't a good thing, but now we're moving forward. And I and I see when the Lord's talking to Joshua, I, as a leader of the people whose people just failed the Lord because of sin within the camp, I think it's an amazing statement that God would say to, to Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't have fear running through your system, Joshua. And remember, God had said that to him twice prior. Uh, do not be afraid, but be strong and be of good courage. And then he says, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. And that's the part that I probably highlighted. You guys should see it. My, my Bible, one, one Bible looks like a coloring book. I mean, it really does look like a coloring book. I think when you make when you do something before the Lord and you don't do it well, or when you fail, or when you sin, or when you do something you shouldn't do, and you come before the Lord, back before the Lord, and you're trying to get it right, He wants you to hear Him say, Don't be discouraged. Because it's easy to get discouraged. 
It's easy to go, I can never get this right. There are some things in my life I look to the Lord and I go, <laughs> 40 years we've been talking about this. And you know what? He tells me, don't be discouraged. Keep going. Keep pushing forward. Don't be afraid. A funny thing about the attack on AI, when they attacked Jericho, God had given them instructions. When they went after AI, they didn't get instructions from God. If they would have tried to get instructions from God, they would have found out that didn't work out so well because they were full of sin. And now God's going to give them instructions on how to attack AI and get the victory back. But I want you to hear the simplistic statement that God makes to Joshua because it's for you and for me. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. The Lord knows he's going to bring you back through. He's going to get you through it. But don't be wallowing in the mire. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. That's what it says. All right, folks. You've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. We're taking a 94-and-a-half-hour break. Then we'll come back. More Insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. The views expressed on the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.